Hey, last week we paused our I, I Quit at Leviticus series to share what we saw God doing with the coronavirus and the worldwide response to it. And just as the church was scattered in Acts 8 and God used that for good, um, we see God is using this for good. Um, God is giving us a forced Sabbath. And so today was scheduled to be our last Leviticus message, and we're going to close our Leviticus series differently than planned. We're going to use it to launch our Back to Basics series. Uh, We ended last week with three challenges. Uh, Enjoy your fourth Sabbath, spend time with family and friends, and spend time with God. And we will focus on one of these three basics each week. You'll be starting with a, a Sabbath this morning. And so in this series, what we want to do is we want to recognize how God is forcing us to live differently in this season. And, and yet, there's also this looming reality in front of us as well. Um, there's a moment where the stay-at-home order that we have is going to come to an end, and life is hopefully going to go back to some level of normalcy. But the question is, do we want it to go back to 100% normalcy? Um, I think many of us would think, I think this is an opportunity to shift gears, change things a little bit, live a little bit differently. We'd like to see that happen. And so in this series, what we want to do is we basically want to ask two uh, fundamental questions. Um, What new rhythms can we develop in this new season of pause? And then perhaps more importantly, how can we bring those new rhythms with us beyond this moment of pause that we find ourselves in? Yeah, so our scripture comes out of the book of Leviticus. If you are using your Bibles at home, uh, Leviticus, it's the third book of the Bible right after Genesis and Exodus. We're going to be reading out of chapters 23 and 25. And what we do here at TFRC is we stand for the reading of God's word because we believe this is the word of God. And so if you're at home or, you know, if you're on the couch or sitting on the floor, I would just encourage you to please stand if you are able and you go ahead and turn your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 23, and I will read verse 3, and then we'll jump to Leviticus 25. Leviticus 23 verse 3 says, There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to the Lord. And then if you turn to Leviticus chapter 25, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. The Lord said to Moses on Mount Sinai, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land I am going to give you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. And then jumping down to verse 10 of that same chapter, Consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your family property and to your own clan. You may be seated. Hey, we ended last week with enjoy your forced Sabbath. Sabbath is to stop working. It's to cease being productive. And these passages that we just read talk about Sabbath. And most of us, we don't do Sabbath. Uh, We like being busy doing things. Uh, We get up in the morning and we get ready for work. Uh, We go to work, maybe have a quick lunch and then keep working. And then we go home and we're still busy. We're helping with the kids or we clean or we get ready, uh, get dinner ready, whatever that may be. And even if 
you are retired or a stay-at-home parent, uh, we still find ways to keep busy during the working hours. And we like being productive. Uh, not being productive makes us uneasy. Now, um, in the Bible, uh, the first time um, the, the word Sabbath is used um, is in the creation story in Genesis chapter uh, 1 and 2. If, if you have your Bible, just open up there. Um, there's a pastor's favorite joke, and that is, where's Genesis 1? It's on page 1 of your Bible. It doesn't get old for us. Just letting you know. Now, um, if you have your Bible, so t- take a look at Genesis 2, um, and then starting in verse 2 there, and then just let me read this a second. It says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, if, if you take a look at Genesis 2 and then just look in verse 2, you'll find the word rested in there. Um, the word rested in Genesis 2 is the Hebrew word um, Shabbat, uh, or the way would we, we would understand it is Sabbath. On the seventh day, God Sabbathed. Um, and God says in Genesis 2, because I'm Sabbathing, well, you should Sabbath as well. Now, the word Shabbat um, or Sabbath, it literally means to stop or to cease or to rest. Now, in our scripture reading this morning, we heard from three different places in Leviticus. Um, Leviticus is really just a user's guide on how to do life, right? And, and in this case, it's a user's guide on, well, how in the world do you do this thing called the Sabbath? Now, What's really interesting in Leviticus is Leviticus doesn't just name one Sabbath. In fact, it names three separate Sabbaths. Um, And we read those just a minute ago. Um, Leviticus 23.3, there's this thing called a Sabbath day that we're supposed to participate in. And then Leviticus 25 verses 1 and 2, there's this Sabbath year that we're supposed to participate in. Then you get to Leviticus 25 verse 10, and we have like the mother of all Sabbaths. It's called the year of Jubilee that we're supposed to participate in. And God gave us all three of these Sabbaths, and he did so as a reminder to us, to remind us again and again and again and again of really three major things in our lives, um, who we are, uh, to remind us whose we are, and then to remind us who the owner of this world really is. We need to be reminded of these things again and again and again because we forget who we are. We forget whose we are. Um, we forget who this world really belongs to. Now, we wanted to just show you um, these three Sabbaths um, this morning. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn back to um, Leviticus chapter 23 a second, um, verse 3. Let me just read it here again for us. It says, There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to the Lord. Now, this first Sabbath is called a Sabbath day. God instructs us to work in this pattern of work for six days, and then on the seventh day, take a rest. Um, six days of work, um, one day of rest. Do this every single week, God says. It's, it's a pattern that we're supposed to live into. And the reason God gave us this thing called a Sabbath day is to remind us of something pretty fundamental. We forget this. Um, we are not our work. We're not our work. We are not what we do. 
No, and, and Leviticus, it comes right after the book of Exodus, and many of you are familiar with the story from that book of God freeing the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. Uh, Leviticus is really a book for liberated slaves. For hundreds of years, the Israelites were slaves, and the value of a slave is all in their work, what they produce. When a slave can no longer work, when they can't produce anything, they really no longer have any value. A slave's identity is in their work. Now, we are not slaves, but we have at least one slave-like tendency. Our work shapes our identity. We have this unease that if we can't be productive, that we no longer matter. And this haunts us. Who are we if we are not useful? And this is why retirement can be so hard and is, is so difficult for so many because it forces us to ask the question, who am I if I'm not working? And deep down, we believe that we only matter if we are useful. You know, this reminds me of um, Jesus' parable of the prodigal son. If you've ever heard the story before, um, the prodigal son, he cashes in his father's inheritance and leaves his father and heads off to hopefully a better life, so he thinks. And he leaves his father behind, and he believes that when he leaves his father behind, he's also leaving an identity behind as well, his identity as a son. He's leaving a sonship behind. And then when he loses everything, he considers, well, I'm going to go back home maybe, and maybe I can live there, at least survive. And he knows, I can't go home as a son. I forfeited that one a long time ago. But, but maybe at least my father will accept me as a servant. And so he heads off home. And then this big twist in the story happens, right? Um, the prodigal son steps onto the driveway, and he looks up, and he sees his father. And his father's running down the driveway toward him. And his father grabs him, gives him a big old bear hug, probably with tears in his eyes, and he says, my son has finally come home. You see, the prodigal son could never lose his identity as son because it's the father who gets to decide those things. It's the father who calls him a son. Now, we have identity questions in our lives, too. I think all over the place. Well, who exactly are we, really? And so many of us, you know, we've mistaken our work as an identity. What we do, well, maybe that's who I am. And for many of us, we find ourselves in this weird moment where a lot of us aren't really working like we were. And it creates a bit of an identity crisis for some of us. Well, if I'm not my work, well, then, then who am I? Who am I supposed to be? And you see, the Sabbath day is God's amazing reminder to us of who we really are. We are not our work. We're not what we do. And just like the prodigal son, God longs to run after us and to give us a big old bear hug and look us in the eye and say, you are my son, you're my daughter. You know, a report came out this week, over three million have filed for unemployment and the number of those who've been temporarily laid off is probably much, much higher uh, than that number. And it's probably true for many of you watching right now that you've been furloughed uh, from your work. And in the discussion, uh, just share whether or not you've been furloughed. And there's no shame if you have. Um, it's the virus that's causing the shutdown. It's not your fault uh, if you've been temporarily laid off. You know, and the personal economic 
uh, impact. That, that's one thing. But if you've been furloughed, it's painful for another reason, because you are not being as productive as you were before. And there's something hurtful about that. There's some psychological pain that comes with not being as productive. Uh, but you are more than your work. As John pointed out in the story of the prodigal son, it wasn't the son's actions that determined his identity. His father determined his identity. Your work doesn't determine your identity. God does. And so the Sabbath was instituted by God to remind us that we are God's kids first and foremost. That's who we are. Um, we're Jesus' brothers and sisters, even if, even if only by adoption, we still are. We are not what we do. We are God's family, ultimately. Yeah, and uh, so that's the Sabbath day. And to us, the message of the Sabbath day is you are more than your work. But as John said earlier, there are, there's two more Sabbaths. The next one being the Sabbath year. Uh, Gen uh, Leviticus 25 verses 1 and 2 introduced the Sabbath year. Verses 3 to 7 give details of the Sabbath year. And what's different about the Sabbath year is that it's not us who rest. In the Sabbath year, the land gets to rest. It says for six years, you can sow your fields and you can prune your vineyards, but then in the seventh year, your land gets to rest. You don't plant your field. You don't prune your vineyards. You let the land go wild for a year. And so the land gets to rest for a year. And then anything the land produces, uh, you can still eat. But there is a faith issue, a faith challenge with that. You have to believe that the land will still produce enough for you to eat. You have to believe that even though the land is resting, you will have enough. Now, I don't know about you guys, but um, you have enough <laughs> is just not what we believe in our culture these days. It just isn't. Um, our world today tells us um, that there is never enough for us. Um, in fact, it's more than that. It, it's, it's that there might not be enough for us at the end of the day. And what do we do to ensure that we have enough? Well, in our culture, we buy, we buy, we buy, baby, right? <laughs> yeah, we just buy. We, we consume, we consume, we consume. We even have these nice cutesy little uh, phrases that we use, like, I'm going to practice some shop therapy. <laughs> I don't know if you've used that one before. Um, in the last couple of weeks, um, this there has not been enoughness has been on full display. We've probably all experienced it at some level. Um, the paper product aisles, just so you guys know, I checked yesterday, still empty. There's nothing there still. Um, ground beef, pretty much wiped out still. Um, hand sanitizer, you can buy it online for a significant amount of money. You can trade in gold if you want to and get a small thing of it. Um, in fact, uh, just a couple days ago, Beck and I were at Target and we found those little travel-sized hand sanitizers. And so we figured we'd buy a couple of them and give some to our kids. Um, and so we go to checkout. We have two of them. We scan the first one. We go to scan the second. And I think it was the store manager that came out and said, you can only buy one of those. <laughs> they were only this big. You know, they were tiny. And, and, and what's driving all this for us? It's the belief that there might simply not be enough for us. And if we believe fundamentally that there's not enough for us, 
Well, we'll do a significant amount of things to make sure that we get our fair share. I mean, how many stories have we heard at this point of people almost getting run over in Costco and stealing things out of other people's carts at Costco? I mean, it's getting crazy out there (laughs) at some level. But then, then God gives us this Sabbath year thing. And I think it's so countercultural to the moment that we live in. Because the point of the Sabbath year was to say, God will ensure that you and I have enough. Yeah, and trusting that God will make sure we have enough has a lot to do with priorities. Uh, Jesus talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And those are really interesting questions for me. Uh, Is not life more than food? Is the body not more than clothes? Is life more about food and clothes? Let's just say yes to that. Let's just pretend that there's more to life than what we eat (laughs) and what we wear. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, Well, then what is life all about? Because whatever life should be about, well, that should take priority. A few sentences later on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The kingdom comes first. And what is the kingdom? Well, Jesus said there were two commandments greater than the rest, and I think those two greatest commandments gives us insight into what the kingdom is about. And those commandments, many of you know, are love God and love your neighbor. And so it's safe to say that the kingdom of God is about those two things first. And so those two things should come first. Look, um, you can have all the finest food and all the fashionable clothes, but if you don't love God and you don't love your neighbor, you really are not living. And if you don't have the finest food and you just have enough clothes, okay, just enough food and clothes, Um, but you love God and you love your neighbor, well, then you really are living. It's about priorities. Seek the kingdom first, and God will cover the rest. You know, one of the things uh, I've noticed is since the the teepee aisle has been empty, (laughs) I've seriously thought about, like, well, what if we run out? Like, what do we do then? should Should we go buy more of that stuff? And I think what that really points to is, well, how much do I really trust God? Because if the TPI is out, am I trusting that God maybe will still have me covered? Do I I trust that? Um, Now, there's one more Sabbath mentioned in Leviticus. Probably the least known would be my guess. Um, If you have your Bible, take a look at Leviticus 25, verse 10 a second. Um, Leviticus 25, verse 10. It says, Consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the lands to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your family property and to your own clan. So there's this Sabbath. It's this weekly Sabbath or a Sabbath day that God institutes. And then every seven years, there's this Sabbath year that we're supposed to follow. And then Leviticus says... Every seven Sabbath years is this other Sabbath we're supposed to do called um, the year of Jubilee. Um, the year of Jubilee was a totally radical idea. I think even today it's, it's quite a radical idea. You see, on day one, 
God created order for the Israelites, for his people. He even assigned, like, here's your property and here's the boundary markers for what that property is going to look like. And God made sure that everyone was on an equal plane at some level. And then as years would go by, um, some families would boom. They'd be so successful. And then other families wouldn't. (laughs) You know, they'd bust. Um, Some would become incredibly wealthy. Others would become poor. Um, Some would find themselves in positions where they can buy other people's land and others would, well, frankly, they'd they'd lose their land. And then every 49 years, God instituted this thing called a jubilee, which was was like a reset of sorts, um, where things would go back to what it was like on day one in Israel. Families would be returned their land. Um, Slaves would be set free. Like we'd be back to an equal plane at some point. Every 49 years, God would put everything back to the way he originally intended it yeah, to be. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, you know, if you're playing a game like Monopoly or something and everyone starts out with the same amount of money and then, you know, you start doing well and other people in the game start not doing well. And what it reminds me of is if someone's about to lose, if we're to say, hey, um, can we start over? Let's start over. Declare a jubilee. Declare a jubilee in the Monopoly game. Um, that would make the game not much fun. It wouldn't, it, that, that's not a great way to play the game. But this is life. This isn't a game. And what God is saying in the Jubilee, when he says, hey, let's hit the reset button, look, the players are more important than the game. People and their property and their freedom, that's more important than us trying to build up as much stuff for ourselves as we possibly can. Yeah, so the Jubilee is like this radical idea. It it really is. For the ancient world, like it's unheard of that something like this would exist. But... (laughs) There's zero evidence that the Jubilee ever happened in the history of Israel. Zero evidence that they they even tried. It's the one Sabbath out of these three that has never been honored, ever. No, and, um, and that's really amazing. As John just said, there is no record that the Jubilee ever happened, that what God wanted to have happened ever did. And I think it's another fear that we have, that God's order will never materialize. You know, there's an old saying that religion is the opiate of the masses, which basically means that religion, it's a cynical view of faith, where faith is just kind of uh, used to keep uh, people who are on the bottom of the social order happy and in line. And what if? What if the only order that matters is those with the gold, make the rules. Is God's order ever going to come? Are those of us who are people of faith, are are we just fools? There are many people who say we are. And yet, those of us who are people of faith, sometimes we have this fear that they could be right. And we wonder, is God ever going to bring an ultimate jubilee? You know, uh, in the New Testament, Jesus actually speaks about this thing called the Jubilee. Um, If you have your Bible, just take a look um, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. Luke, chapter 4, verse 16. And just just listen what happens here. It's fascinating. It says, Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. As was his custom, he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Listen to this. It says, 
the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now this whole passage is filled with jubilee language. Um, The jubilee was meant to be good news to Israel, good news to the world ultimately, good news to those who find themselves poor, good news to those who find themselves a prisoner, good news to those who suffer medical issues, good news to those who are oppressed in society. And frankly, I don't know how you feel, but I feel like we could use a healthy dose of jubilee these days. And here's the deal. You see, in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, Jesus began to usher in the first jubilee. The first jubilee. What what Jesus did is he began to make things right again, to hit the reset button and bring things back to the way that God designed them to be. And you see, folks, one day, Jesus is going to come back, and when he comes back, this jubilee thing is going to come in full force. It will be an everlasting jubilee for us. Everything will be made right again. You know, what if in this season, we intentionally chose to trust that Jesus is coming back and the jubilee is on its way? I mean, life is hard right now. Um, Many of us are looking at our 401ks and we're watching the numbers go down and it's been nothing but bad news and that provides a level of anxiety for us. Um, Some of us are wondering like, when things get back to normal, is my job still going to be there? Um, Some of us have this 21-day order thing and we have three kids and we're stuck in a small house and we're really not sure how we're going to survive with our three kids in this small house, uh, let alone uh, the schooling that's going to come along with it. And then some of us, there's this very real fear that, you know, what happens if if the virus comes into my home and does damage? Like, Like, what happens then? Folks, there is a bigger reality out there than what's happening in our lives right now. You see, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back and he's gonna usher in with him this everlasting jubilee where everything is going to be made right again. Even in the midst of this pandemic that we find ourselves in, Jesus is still on his way. We need to trust that. What if we did? You know, I love how the Apostle Paul puts it. He says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen like a pandemic or the moment we find ourselves in, but on what is unseen. Since what is unseen is temporary, but what is seen is it's eternal. Yeah, and the eternal, it transforms the temporary. You know, Jesus' death and resurrection fulfilled all the things that the Sabbath pointed to. 
Uh, The Sabbath reminded us that we are more than our work, more than what we can produce. And the Sabbaths remind us that God has us covered. And the Sabbaths remind us of God's order. And Jesus' death, it fulfills that God loves us for who we are, not just for what we can produce or what we do. And Jesus' death, it fulfills that God has us covered. And Jesus' resurrection, it fulfills that God's order has already begun to materialize and as John said, will be fulfilled completely. Please pray with me. And Lord, in the midst of everything we find ourselves in, I would ask that you would remind each and every one of us of the truth that we see in your Sabbath, um, how much that you love us, how much that you care for us, and Lord, that you are ordering the world in the way that you want it to be. And Lord, help us join you in that. And God, we just, once again, thank you for your goodness to us, your love for us. And Lord, I would pray that you would um, help each and every one of us use this time where we are being asked by our authorities to stay at home, that we would use this time to develop rhythms, that when all of this ends and we go back to things that are more normal, that we would not forget what it is you had to say to us during this time, during this forced Sabbath. And it's in the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Friends, thank you for joining us again for TFRC Live. This is our second week. We're going to keep getting better at this as we go. Hey, for those of you who are new, we encourage you just type in new on the Facebook conversation and we'll get some folks um, from our staff to contact you and answer any questions you may have. We are so Glad that you joined us. Um, One of the things we do have here is we have a prayer wall in the room, actually, that I'm in right now. Um, Obviously, all of us can't come to the prayer wall, but perhaps you have a prayer right now where you're like, man, like I really would like to put a prayer on the wall. What you can do is type a prayer into the Facebook conversation or send uh, Pastor Chuck or I a message um, uh, either on Facebook or you can email us, and we'd be happy to write that down as a prayer and put it in the wall for you. Why don't you take a moment and stand in your home and receive God's blessing before we go. Receive God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord raise his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. You guys have a great week.